On this show, we compare the best parts of our childhoods and argue which decade was better, the 80s or the 90s. In this episode, we'll be discussing which decade had the best action figures, the history of 1985 versus 1995, and if the 1990s alcoholic beverage Zima would fly today. Which decade was better? You can help us decide. So stick around for this episode of 10 Years Apart. We're going back, 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 way back. It's the 10 Years Apart Podcast. 80s versus 90s. With Adam and Scott. Scott, Scott. Welcome to the 10 Years Apart Podcast. I'm Scott, one of the hosts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Adam. Adam, how's things going? Things are going great, thank you. So this podcast is all about comparing our childhoods. My childhood was growing up during the 80s and Adam during the 90s, making us 10 years apart. In this episode, we are going to be comparing which decade we thought had the best action figures as a child. I'll pick my favorite action figures from the 1980s and Adam will pick his from the 1990s. Then we'll debate on which action figures were the best. And you can also vote which action figures were your favorite from those decades. You can vote right here if you're watching us on YouTube by clicking on the poll in the top right corner. Or you can vote on any of our social media at 10 Years Apart Pod. Or by visiting our website at 10yearsapart.com. After we get through our debate on the best action figures, we'll also have our segment which we call Does It Fly Today? Where we look at a movie, song, or a product from either the 1980s or 1990s and discuss why we think it faded away and if we think it would hold up today. On this episode, we'll be looking back at a 1990s alcoholic drink, Zima, and asking, would that fly today? That will be a little later, so stick around for that too. And before we get into our best action figure debate, we're going to start off with the first segment, which we call A Year From Our Past. A Year From Our Past. In A Year From Our Past, we'll be doing a brief history look back at a year from each decade and what we remember from those years. So Scott will be looking at 1985, and I'll be looking at 1995. I'll get us started with 1985. So some popular movies that came out in 1985, we had Back to the Future, Fright Night, The Return of the Living Dead, the Breakfast Club, Teen Wolf, Cocoon, Rambo, First Blood Part 2, Enemy Mine, The Goonies, Weird Science, The Color Purple, Rocky IV, St. Elmo's Fire, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and Commando. The best picture that won that was released in 1985 for the Oscar was Out of Africa. And the highest grossing movie from that year was Back to the Future, with $385.5 million worldwide. Some popular movies from 1995 include Braveheart, Apollo 13, Toy Story, Clueless, Bad Boys, Billy Madison, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, Dead Man Walking, The Usual Suspects, Heat, The Basketball Diaries, Casino, Get Shorty, Die Hard 3, and Outbreak. The movie that walked home with the Best Picture Oscar was Braveheart, and the highest grossing film of 1995 was Die Hard with a Vengeance, with a worldwide gross of just over $366 million. 
All right, so I think there are some pretty good movies from both of those years. Uh, from 1985, I really liked Commando for like an action movie. Highly entertaining. And I, it's one of my favorite Arnold movies, I think. And The Goonies was quite big. One of my favorite kind of comedy movies that I've watched so many times, even recently, it was Weird Science. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the best picture out of Africa that much from 1985. I've heard of that movie. It's got Meryl Streep in it, I'm pretty sure. I've never seen it. I definitely remember Braveheart, and it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm -hmm. So I'll definitely give 1995 Best Picture mm. the edge on that one. Uh, and of course, we've talked about Rambo before. Uh, Rambo Part 2 was, again, it was my favorite uh, Rambo movie after seeing that, but that's the one where Rambo goes to save those POWs, right? In Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. I really like that movie, but as I got older, again, First Blood was a better movie. Mm -hmm. Rocky Four is actually one of my favorite Rocky movies. That's the one with Ivan Drago. Oh, when he fights the Russian. Russian, yeah. The Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite zombie movies. I'm a pretty big into zombies and that whole genre, like books and movies and whatever. Is that Sam Raimi who directed that? or No. No. It's uh, it's actually the first time that zombies kind of were able to speak, and it's where the term brains come from. Oh, really? So that was the, the first movie that uh, had zombies that went around saying brains. Mm. And of course, Back to the Future was, some people say it's the perfect movie, one of the only perfect movies. Yeah, I love Back to the Future. And then 1995 movies... Seven is actually my favorite movie of all time. Is that right? Yeah. I thought it was Empire. No, Seven's uh, my number one movie. I just, uh, it's pretty dark, but I can get over Yeah, it's very dark, very disturbing. Great twist ending. And another movie I really, really enjoyed was uh, The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Again, talking about twist and stuff. Great but... twist ending, yeah. All right, and... Uh... For me, I think Back to the Future is probably the most notable of the 1985 movies. Uh, I hadn't seen Fright Night until like a couple of years ago. And I actually saw the remake with um, Colin Farrell oh, yeah. afterwards. And I, it's don't actually, I don't think I've seen that. It's actually pretty decent. Uh, a lot of these remakes of like 1980s horror movies are kind of garbage, but I thought Fright Night was pretty well done. Uh, let's see, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf, I loved that when I was a kid. I like the sequel too, even though it's garbage. Yeah, First Blood Part 2 is really entertaining. Didn't really see any of the others there on that list except for Commando. And for the 1995 movies, uh, yeah, Braveheart was great at the time. Uh, Toy Story, I remember babysitting the neighbors across the road, and they really loved that movie. Uh, Seven is excellent. I really like 12 Monkeys. I didn't like it too much the first time, but I think when I watched it years later, I kind of grew to appreciate it more. Uh, the Usual Suspects is a classic. Heat's a great bank robbery movie where we have... Uh, yeah, heist movie. Yeah, we got Al Pacino and De Niro like in the same scene together for the very first time. And then uh, Basketball Diaries, we see Leonardo DiCaprio as kind of a junkie who kind of gets clean, which is pretty good. Yeah, Die Hard 3 was pretty entertaining. Not the greatest one. I mean, I think Die Hard, the first one, will always go down as the best one. But uh, Die Hard 3 is a worthy sequel, I suppose. And some popular hit music from 1985. We had... Tears for Fears with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Huey Lewis and the News with The Power of Love, which is in the Back to the Future soundtrack. 
Simple Minds, Alive and Kicking, and Don't You Forget About Me. Aha with Take On Me. Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home. Corey Hart with Never Surrender. Paul Young with Every Time You Go Away. Wasp, which is, I put this in there because it's a band I liked, with uh, Blind in Texas. Madonna, Crazy for You. The Cult, She Sells Sanctuary. And USA for Africa came out with the song We Are the World. The song of the year for from the Billboard Top 100 was Wham! with Careless Whisper. And the Grammy for song of the year was the We Are the World from USA for Africa, which was just a bunch of famous musicians who got together to record this song. And for 1995, some hit music included Seal, Kiss from a Rose, TLC with Waterfalls, Hootie and the Blowfish, Hold My Hand, Michael Jackson came out with You Are Not Alone, Mariah Carey's hit Fantasy, Montel Jordan, This Is How We Do It, Bon Jovi, Always, Notorious B.I.G., One More Chance, Blues Travelers, Run Around, The Real McCoy came out with Another Night, Shaggy had his hit song Boombastic, and you 2 with Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Song of the Year, according to the Billboard Top 100, was Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise, and the song that walked away with the Grammy for Best Song was Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Some of the 1995 songs I think I know, but I don't recognize a lot of them. I'm sure, as always, if I heard some of them, I'd probably recognize them. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Kiss from a Rose, I think I know. Waterfalls, I know. Other than that, I'm sure I know the U2 song, um, and I know Gangster's Paradise, but other than that, I'm not sure. I think the Seal song and the U2 song were both featured in a Batman movie. Yeah. Could have been like Batman Forever or something like that. None of that is music that I was really into. Yeah. And from 1985, We Are the World is pretty well known. Most people wouldn't know that song. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of these uh, musicians and bands, you know, put out albums with these singles, of course, which had, you know, they also had other great songs on some of these albums. Yeah. I was actually a pretty big Simple Minds fan. Mm-hmm. Take On Me has been a pretty popular song even today. Music video was kind of unique for its time. Yeah, it was the one where the guy was, like, hand-drawn and, yeah, and came out of the he's looking in the mirror and comic. stuff like that, yeah. Uh, I was a big Motley Crue fan. That wasn't one of my favorite albums of Motley Crue. I think that was Theater of Pain, but Home Sweet Home, you know, was the big hit off that album. Mm -hmm. I remember Paul Young from music videos, like that video was always on. I remember that song every time you go away from the ending of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. Do you remember that? Right at the end, they play that song. Madonna had a big year that year. Uh, she had other songs from that album other than Crazy For You, but... And I'm a I'm a huge cult fan. She Sells Sanctuary is a pretty good song. Yeah, I like they, that song a lot. They have a lot of other songs that I like a lot more, but it was a big year for them, too. Yeah, my memory of 1985, uh, I remember most of these songs just from movies because I was only a year old, so like later on I heard The Power of Love, you know, as as it appeared at the beginning of Back to the Future... The Cult, I do really like that song. I think I didn't hear that until later on. And the USA for Africa song, I don't really remember. Um, may have seen the video. I remember they're like swaying back and forth and they're kind of... Yeah, it had all kinds of musicians in it, like, you know, Michael Jackson. Yeah. I don't know who else. Lionel Richie. Yeah, and for the 1995 music, um, 
uh, TLC Waterfalls, they had a very famous um, music video about like a guy getting AIDS and I think like another kid getting shot. That's the one, Don't Go Chasing. Yeah, waterfall. Don't Go Chasing yeah. Waterfalls. Hootie and the Blowfish, they were huge back then in 1995. And then I think the lead singer, Darius Rucker or Trucker or something like that, he has like a huge country western career right now. I guess looking back at it, kind of rock style back in the 90s and 80s yeah. became kind of country today. That's right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the, these songs from the 90s as well, I remember from movies like This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. That was in that movie Multiplicity where Michael Keaton clones himself. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. I listened to later on in high school. But uh, yeah, Song of the Year, Gangsta's Paradise. That was huge. And then, you know, Weird Al had that parody, uh, Amish Paradise, which I thought was pretty funny at the time. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Yeah, so some pretty good music from both years, I think, here. All right, and in 1985's TV news and events for TV, we had Live Aid, which broadcast all over the world. It had an estimated 1 billion people watching it. A popular toy release was Nintendo released the NES in North America. Some technical breakthroughs, we had Microsoft releasing the first version of Windows, Windows 1.0. British scientists discovered a hole in Earth's ozone layer. The first .com domain name was registered, which was symbolics.com. And in some news and events from 1985, we had Route 66 was removed from the United States highway system. Michael Jordan was named the NBA's Rookie of the Year. President Ronald Reagan and the Soviet leader Gorbachev met for the first time in Switzerland. And Mafia boss Paul Castellano is shot on orders of John J. Gotti. And some TV events from 1995 include the History Channel being launched. There are live broadcasts of the O.J. Simpson trial that began in this year. In 1995, Drew Barrymore flashed David Letterman on air. Sailor Moon broadcasts in the U.S. for the first time. Xena, uh, the Warrior Princess debuts. And part two of the Simpsons' Who Shot Mr. Burns episode airs, revealing that Maggie shot him by accident. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Some popular toy releases in 1995 include Nintendo's Virtual Boy. And technical breakthroughs include cosmonaut Valery Polyakov returns after setting a record 438 days in space. Amazon.com, incorporated a year earlier by Jeff Bezos in Washington State, starts its online bookstore and sells its first book. And the Java programming language is announced to the world. And some big news events from 1995 include Bosnian Serb commanders who are charged with genocide and crimes against humanity in the United Nations International Criminal Tribunal. There was a siren gas attack on the Topio subway. This uh, involved members of the Om Shinrikyo religious cult, and they released siren gas on five subway trains in Tokyo, killing 13 people and injuring 5,510. We also have the Oklahoma City bombing, in which 168 people, including eight federal marshals and 19 children, are killed at the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building, and 680 wounded by a bomb set off by Timothy McVeigh. And finally, we have O.J. Simpson found not guilty of double murder for the deaths of former wife Nicole Simpson and Ronald Goldman. So for the news and events from uh, 1985, I really don't remember any of them at that time. I was just too young and never paid attention to news. But obviously all the 1995 news and events I recall. Which one sticks out for you the most? Uh, two of them. The Oklahoma bombing. Mm-hmm. 
I was glued to watching that on uh, probably CNN at the time. Yeah. And the OJ trial. Yeah, those two stick out for me the most, like at that time. I later became interested in like just studying cults and stuff. And I thought the Om Shinrikyo, the Japanese one with the sarin gas attack. I mean, that one was kind of fascinating because a lot of those guys who were in that cult were really well-educated guys with like doctorate degrees and stuff. And here they are, you know, letting off this poisonous gas in the subway. And you think, what the hell's going on with these guys, you know? In TV, again, the uh, Queen kind of stole the Live Aid Festival with their performance. And I remember 1995, like, I remember watching the Drew Barrymore flashing her tits yep. at uh, Letterman on the show. Yeah, she gets up on his desk. Uh, I didn't watch The Simpsons that much, but I remember the who killed or who shot Mr. Burns. I think that was kind of a, a mock-up from the uh, who shot J.R., yeah, well, I like that episode because, well, I like the first part because they set it up so that there's so many different suspects. Right. You know, you think maybe Whalen Smithers did it, maybe you think Homer did it, and then it turns out it was just kind of an accident, you know. And it was, it's kind of interesting, Nintendo first released the NES in 85, and they launched the Virtual Boy in 95. I'm not sure what the Virtual Boy is. The Virtual Boy, uh, it was like... I got one for Christmas one time and, you know, I was such a spoiled little brat that I was actually angry because I was expecting to get a PlayStation <laughs> and uh, I opened up this box and it was the Virtual Boy. Uh, it was okay. The only thing is like you had to stand up while you were playing it because uh, if you had it on like a coffee table or something, you'd probably put like a kink in your neck because you'd be like crouched down like with your head stuck in this thing. But it wasn't very good. And in 85, we had the first domain name being registered. And then in 1995, one of the most famous domain names of all time, Amazon, Yeah, started. So 10 years later. Yeah, they pretty much hold like a monopoly on that kind of like online stores, you know, these days. Of course, there's a lot more music, movies, news events from both of those years in 1985 and 95. So feel free to let us know some of your favorites or memories from those years in the comments below, wherever you find this podcast. We'd love to hear from you regarding these years and get your feedback. Now let's move on to the main topic of the episode. It's time for Battle of the Decade. Three, two, one. Battle of the Decade. Fight. So for the battle of the decade in this episode and our main topic, we'll be fighting it out on which decade had the best action figures as a child. Round one. Let's fight. Choose your fighter. The 1980s to me are known for action figures. There were so many, you know, different action figures that came out during that decade. Uh, before I get into my favorite action figures that I liked the most as a child, here are some uh, honorable mentions of some figures that came out. We had Chris Star, GoBots, Centurions, the WWF wrestling figures, Mask, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons figures, Visionaries, Transformers, Thundercats, and of course... And you probably think this is going to be my pick. We had He-Man, Masters of the Universe. All of those were very popular action figures. So my pick for the best action figures from the 1980s is Star Wars action figures. The first movie came out with their figures in 1978, but 
I'm talking more of action figures from The Empire Strikes Back and from Return of the Jedi, which were Empire was released in 1980 and Jedi in 83. So that's my pick for the best action figure. And for some 1990s action figures, some honorable mentions include the Street Fighter action figures, Crash Test Dummies, Earthworm Jim, Power Rangers, Ghostbusters action figures. These came from a spin-off animated series. Uh, the Terminator 2 action figures, X-Men, Batman, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But my pick for the best action figures of the 1990s were Spawn action figures. I didn't really care for the Spawn movie or comic books, but I remember these toys as being really well designed. They still look cool to this day. And they are the only action figures that look like they were designed by a comic book illustrator. Round 2. Let's fight. Tell the tape. So the Star Wars action figures from the 80s had improved so much from the original movie figures that came out in 78. There are more figures to choose from and characters from the movies. They had great accessories to go with the figures, including ships, you know, creatures, landscapes, you know, scenery type playset type things and more. They were the first and only action figures that I actually collected when I was young. I loved the movie so much, and they were so popular at that time. Everybody had that toy. And with Empire and Return of the Jedi, Kenner toys were better prepared for the release of those two movies compared to the original movie. I think they had some issues when uh, the toys weren't ready when they released Star Wars the movie. So they were giving out like uh, almost like coupons that you would you know get this toy when it became available. And the Star Wars toys are still in high demand today and collected. Some of them are, have, you know, crazy values and are worth so much money. And these action figures go hand in hand with the 80s phenomena of Star Wars. And some of the reasons why I picked the Spawn toys as my choice. Um, these were the first line of Spawn toys ever produced and released in 1994 and consisted of six figures, the hero Spawn and his medieval counterpart with Tremor and the villains Violator, Overt Kill, and Clown, as well as the Spawn Alley playset, the Spawn Mobile, and the Violator Monster Rig. I really enjoyed playing with all these toys. Again, wasn't a big fan of the movie or the comic books. I just thought these things looked really cool and, uh, you know, really, really well designed. A lot of thought and effort put into these designs. Uh, they were notably different from the co toys common on the shelves at the time because of their level of detail in both sculpting and painting. So they looked, they looked really cool. And uh, these action figures had individual items such as spikes, teeth, claws, and buttons painted individually and packaged in case by hard plastic, which surrounded both the figure and blister card, making them more suitable collector's items. And those are some of the reasons why I chose Spawn action figures as the best action figures of the 90s. Round three. Let's fight. Counterattack. And some of my thoughts on the Spawn action figures. Uh, I know the toys. I know a lot of the McFarlane toys, but uh, I remember Spawn when it came out. I never followed the comic books. The movie I thought was okay at the time, but I don't think it was that good looking back at it. The level of detail on the toys made them more collector items than I think actual like figures that you would play with. Okay. So... So you're saying they're nicer to look at, but not so much to play right. with. Yeah. So you wouldn't take them outside and, 
you know, play in the garden with them type thing as, mm. you know, most people did with their Star Wars toys. The detail added to the cost and the Spawn action figures costed more than the Star Wars action figures at both their respective times of release. Spawn also didn't have the variety of action figures and accessories that Star Wars had, or the Star Wars action figures had. Spawn was a popular comic book on which the toys were based, but Star Wars was much more popular from the movies, and more people knew about Star Wars than Spawn. This meant that everyone you knew had Star Wars toys, and everyone would gather to play outside with their Star Wars figures. Where not everyone you knew had Spawn toys at that time, in the 90s. There was quite a difference in the size between the Spawn toys and the Star Wars toys. Star Wars being much smaller, and they were easier to carry around. Put in your lunchbox, or just keep in your pocket type thing, where you can really do that with Spawn toys. Star Wars was geared towards kids much more than Spawn was. Spawn wasn't really a, a comic book, you know, that kids could read or watch. Yeah. Including the movies and the animated TV show. It was more for adults. It was a little too scary for kids, I think. And a lot of unopened Star Wars figures are much more valuable than the unopened Spawn figures these days. Regardless that Star Wars figures were, you know, they're older, so that might add to the value, but... They were just more collectible and more valuable. Uh, well, there are a couple of things I agree with you on that. I remember seeing like an unopened Luke Skywalker figure in Okinawa a few years ago. I think it was like the equivalent of like ten thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, I think that's around the average for yeah. an original Luke Skywalker. Yeah, like uh, I think yeah, I, I agree with you. They are much more valuable. Um, I just think yeah, and I agree that you know the Star Wars had a lot more accessories. You had like the Millennium Falcon. And all these other different kind of like weapons and side characters, which I thought was pretty impressive. Uh, but I thought, you know, I thought that Spawn just looked better. It looked a lot cooler. It looked like there's actually like someone who was like talented at designing these kind of things for Spawn. Whereas the Star Wars action figures, they didn't really look too much like the actual actors from the Star Wars movies, which kind of took away from their, you know, allure for me anyway. Uh, but then again, I still remember playing with Star Wars toys that my brothers owned. Um, so yeah, they're they're a bit more fun. I just, I think the reason why I think my choice is better is just based on the design. I think they just look nicer. I think they look a little more stylish than the Star Wars ones. Round four. Let's fight. Final round. And lastly, once again, why I chose the 1980s Star Wars action figures from both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I thought they were much more popular than the Spawn figures and more valuable today. There is a larger variety and choice of figures, accessories and vehicles and, you know, play sets for Star Wars than there was for Spawn. The smaller size made them easy to carry with you, trade, and use such things as vehicles and playsets that you could actually fit the characters in. Everyone had them or knew what every action figure was. So even if you had like a some rare alien from Star Wars, almost everybody would recognize what it was from at that time. They were the foundation for action figure branding with movies and is still a franchise and branding mechanism today. 
Star Wars has all the lore, movies, comics, books, and history behind their toys, and nothing can really come close to comparing to it. They were one of the only action figures that I ever collected and had the most fun with playing when I was a kid. And that is why I chose Star Wars action figures from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi from the 1980s. And some final points on my choice. I chose Spawn again because of the uh, stylish design of the f- action figures. I thought they looked really cool, uh, in particular Clown, you know, the uh, the famous villain from the movie. Um, yeah, I think I think the reason why I chose Spawn is just, just the way they look. And I think uh, I just like the style. I like, I think they're a lot more stylish. I thought, you know, like the colors and everything just looked, looked very unique as a as an action figure and it looked like something that uh, you almost don't want to take out of the box because it feels like you're kind of tarnishing it or ruining it um those are some of the reasons why i chose but then again i do appreciate the star wars i do appreciate your choice i just feel like my choice is based a little bit more on just the style and those are some of the reasons why i chose spawn as my best action figure Remember, you can vote on which action figures you thought were better in the poll in the above top right corner here on YouTube or on any of social media at 10 Years Apart Pod or at our website, 10yearsapart.com. And finally, on this episode of 10 Years Apart, we're going to look back at a 1990s alcoholic drink that was known as Zima. Could it make a comeback? Why did it fade away? It's time for Would That Fly Today? Would That Fly Today? Zima. This was a carbonated alcoholic beverage introduced in 1993. It had a range of 47 to 5.4% alcohol by volume, like beer, and was advertised as an alternative to beer. It was made by the Coors Brewing Company, and I believe it was discontinued in around 2008. Adam, do you remember anything about Zima? I don't really know much about Zima, but I remember hearing about it in like movies and TV shows. You know, somebody would offer like, would you like a Zima? Um, I assume it was something similar to like Smirnoff Ice, like a vodka cooler, mostly consumed by people who don't enjoy bre- drinking beer. Uh, I have a greater memory, frankly, of things like Mike's Hard Lemonade, which was so acidic, I thought it would burn a hole in my stomach after I took my first sip. And how about you, Scott? Do you remember Zima? I remember seeing Zima a lot at that time. Uh, I was of age to drink at that time in you know, the early 90s and had a lot of friends that didn't care for beer that much as a, you know, compared to me. So they would drink Zima instead, just like they kind of advertised what it was for. Zima seemed to find that niche of being the alternative to beer at that time, but not really a wine cooler either. They seemed to be the cool thing to drink at the time, especially with people who didn't drink often or as much as others. So yeah, I definitely remember Zima. So why do you think Zima faded away, Adam? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it may have been forced out of the market by other kind of cooler drinks like Smirnoff Ice or Mike's Hard Lemonade. I never tasted it, so I can't comment on its appeal. Um, It did last from 1993 until 2008, so I think it had a pretty good run on the market. Uh, But sometimes these kind of drinks gain popularity for some time, and then they fade away. Like nowadays, White Claw is the trendy alcoholic kind of cooler drink. Uh, Who knows how long White Claw will last, but it's kind of, it's probably taken Zima's place. Why do you think that Zima faded away? 
Uh, I think the cost of production was probably a lot more than, say, beer is. And even though they promoted themselves as an alternative to beer, I d- it didn't have the same, say, upsell per- in production as probably beer does. I also remember seeing that the uh, tax rate for Zima was a lot higher than beer because Zima wasn't considered as a malt liquor type thing. And I think the tax rates were different on, you know, different types of alcohol. So it probably had even a higher cost. And I think it was just the fad, which, you know, fads fade away. And even though it was popular in the early to mid 90s, even I don't know how much they were in the 2000s, but not every bar obviously carried it, or at least in compared to, you know, amounts of beer. So depending on where you were and when, and if you asked for a Zima, it might not have been available. And I also think there's something, you know, in terms of, say, like wine coolers or stuff like that. There's a difference between those things and beer. Like, there's a lot of people that go out and drink and drink a lot. And drinks that have, let's say, a lot of sugar in them, mm. they're kind of hard to drink. They also I think, give you worse over hangovers. and over, yeah. you know, drinking a lot of them. So. I don't think there would be, you know, anything to replace beer in terms of the amount that you can consume in a night. So those are the reasons I think it faded away. Do you think Zima could fly today? Uh, I think it could maybe make a return if they had some unique flavors that appeal to young people. Uh, As you mentioned, like these kind of drinks have a lot of sugar in them, which means, you know, much worse hangover. So that's why I think a lot of people just, you know, stick with beer or lighter beer. Uh, and but however, it seems like younger people these days aren't consuming alcohol as much as you know the older generations. Uh, I think White Claw has kind of gained a stronghold in this area of the industry. Uh, so it'd be pretty hard for Zima to have, have a, like a comeback and compete with like this giant uh, White Claw juggernaut. So I think maybe it could it could make a comeback, but probably I'm thinking unlikely. How about you? What do you think that Zima could fly today? I don't think it would fly today. I mean, it lasted until 2008, and I think it, you know, had a couple tries at a, at a comeback since then. Even with the different flavors and even with a different marketing campaign, I think, you know, there will never be something similar to beer or, you know, the consumption rate of beer. So it's hard to uh, justify maybe for the companies to spend money on that, like making that, especially if they're already making a beer or different varieties of beer. It's just more profitable for the companies to make beer instead of a cooler type drink. And there's also something about cooler style flavored drinks where, you know, I could sit down and drink a 12 pack of beer if I had to, like in one night type thing. But the idea of drinking 12 coolers or types of drinks like that in one sitting type thing, it's kind of sickening yeah, sounding to After me. the third one, you'd want to just barf or something. I mean, they're both probably not good for you, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't sit down and drink a 12-pack case of Coke or something like that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? In, in one night, I just couldn't imagine. It would just be maybe too much sugar or whatever else is in it. And other coolers and drinks have replaced it already, like you mentioned with Mike's Hard Lemonade or Smirnoff Ice and stuff like that. So, Also, give us your feedback on Zima in the comments below. You can also share with us your memories of the drink on our social media at 10 Years Apart Pod or at our website 10yearsapart.com. Zima, did you drink it? Would it fly today? No. Nah.
Well, that's all for this episode of 10 Years Apart. Thanks for listening, and you can now help us out by helping us decide which decade had the best action figures. Just head over to our website at 10yearsapart.com or any of our social media at 10 Years Apart Pod and vote right now. Leave us your comments and thoughts below wherever you find this podcast. Join us again next week when we talk about metal or grunge. Which music was better for each decade? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else you find podcasts so you never miss an episode. If you came across this episode and enjoyed it, please hit that like button. Subscribe to us here on YouTube for the latest videos and don't forget to share. Sharing really helps us out. And once again, you can find us at 10yearsapart.com or any social media at 10 Years Apart Pod. Stop by, vote, and let us know some of your stories from the 80s or 90s. Remember to like, subscribe, share, and leave us your comments wherever you found this podcast. And thanks again for tuning into the past with us here on 10 Years Apart.